0: All right, welcome to episode three of the Spencer Talks About Stuff podcast. Uh, Today on the podcast, I have Ben Simpson, a retired LA City firefighter, good friend of my dad's, um, and a good family friend to me and my wife. Ben, thanks for being here.
1: Man, I'm so excited, and I finally made the top three in
0: something. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so Ben's in town. Um, He's from Durango, Colorado. I don't know if you want to give... Kind of a little background about yourself. When did you retire and what you're doing now? Um, Well, I've been retired. I'm coming up
1: on seven years now, which blows my mind. Um, I've been friends with the Gurkies for a long time, known you since you were a youngster. Yeah, yeah. And um, I love the concept. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah. I told you, I think I have eight good
0: minutes in me. (laughs) I, I think in I, all things. I think I can get you going on some stuff. Um, so a shtick of this podcast is the guest brings an alcoholic beverage, two of an alcoholic beverage, one for each of us to enjoy. Um, and I'm going to crack mine open. And you can uh,
1: – yeah, if what, you want to give
0: an intro for what we're drinking.
1: I wanted to represent – this is uh, from Durango, Colorado. It's a uh, Ska Pinstripe and uh, – Yeah, I'm kind of a Coors Light guy if I'm drinking much at all. Yeah. But this is my favorite real beer. Okay. Have you had a Pinstripe before? I haven't had a Pinstripe, but I've
0: had Ska Brewing. um, Mexican Lager. Mexican Lager. Lager. Yep, yep. I think you're going to enjoy this. I hope you do. All right. I'm going to crack mine open. Yeah, we had a lot of Mexican Lager. um, Oh, my gosh. Fourth of July 2017 and 2018. That was that long ago. Was it really? Yeah. First time we came down was 2017. Wow, to visit you guys and we did a big uh 4th of July celebration, saw the uh Bayfield, Colorado 4th Fourth of July parade. 4th of July parade. That's as good as
1: small town Colorado gets. I That's think. it's awesome. So, here's to you. Here's to Deb.
0: Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for being here. I like it a lot. Red ale. That's a tasty beer, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is a tasty beer. That is a tasty beverage. What's that from? <laughs> I should know. I,
1: that is a t- Oh, that's from Pulp Fiction. How can mm, I even... Mm. What kind of burger were they eating? Royale with cheese. And but from? Big Kahuna Burger. Dude. I, I'm, I'm Pulp Fiction. You know, in my circle of friends, if you don't know every line from Pulp Fiction and the first half of Full Metal Jacket, we can't... Oh, really yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So I don't know how much of the first half of Full Metal Jacket we should be quoting. Yeah,
1: can you cuss on this podcast?
0: <laughs> yeah, we can cuss. I, I'm. I try to avoid somewhat controversial things. Quoting movies is one thing, but um, I mean, yeah, we can cuss, shit, I, piss. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's you
1: know, I had a, um, I had a, a friend. Their kid was like just really close to me, and he called me up one time. He said. Hey, can we have a guys' night? And at the time, he's 16 years old. And uh-huh. like, I was kind of taken aback, and I said, "Yeah." And you know what? I said, "Let's watch Full Metal Jacket." I felt like that was a rite of passage. And, and how old was the kid? 16. Oh my gosh! I thought it was a pretty. I thought that was an appropriate rite of passage <laughs> for a 16 year old. Yeah. So, anyway, did uh, you get in trouble? Uh, with no, his I cleared it. With or... his, I cleared yeah. it with his parents. Yeah. But, um, yeah. No, I think, you know, the thing that I love in tv shows movies like i'm i'm a huge fan of survivor yeah because it's it's human behavior boiled down to the essence yeah people show up on survivor in the first couple episodes
0: they're trying to be a character yeah but by about the third day of not eating they're just the real person when they when they get they get hungry and they have to start wiping their butts with something besides toilet paper
1: yeah and (laughs) and you know i'm gonna i'm gonna get controversial right out of the gate
0: all right let's do it
1: i'm I'm convinced men are better team builders than women, and I'm a I'm a fan of all women's sports. I'm a, I'm a fan of women, but every time I'm on Survivor, there will be a girl with tremendous athletic skills. Yeah. So she's going to help men in the challenges. Yeah. She might be a natural treehouse builder, <laughs> and a fisherman, <laughs> but if she's pretty, the other girls will vote her off. Of oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, what is that? They about?
0: find find something to get jealous about, or yeah yeah
2: yeah. So
0: um. Other than Survivor, I know... Okay, so we talked about Ozark last night, and I know you're deep into Ozark. Um, Anything else you're watching right now? Yeah, I'm... You know what I realized
1: these last three months? I watch way too much sports. And not only do I watch sports, but then I watch SportsCenter to tell me what I just saw.
0: (laughs) And it's kind of nice to get it wrapped up in a good package and see all the highlights. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm... You know, as far
1: as like TV shows, I'm a documentary guy. I'm a news guy. Um, you know, my my passions in life are sports, longevity, music, and so I love watching documentaries on any of those things. And yeah. so uh, that's that's kind of that's kind of my thing. And you know, we were I was talking to a friend today, um, who happens to be your dad. <laughs> but I think I. I hadn't, you know, I, I honestly tried to come in here with a clean slate. Yeah. But I'll tell you, because you and your wife are, are really elite-level athletes. I, I'm I'm not flattering you, and I know you guys are both humble, but uh, but at one point I tried to be a great cyclist. Yeah. And I thought I did everything right. And it was funny because I found out I don't, I don't have it. Yeah. And I, I feel really good that I had that pure effort and – I got kind of good for a mere mortal. Yeah, but it, it when you start seeing greatness in anything in music, uh, any field you want to talk about, you're talking about special people.
0: Yeah, would you agree? Yeah, totally. I it's to me it's um, it's just funny hearing somebody else's perspective about it because Debbie and I are elite up to a certain point, and then we see our peers go on to play. At the next level. And so it's always like, oh, yeah, I played for them. But, you know, I didn't make it to the NFL. So it's not – it's – But there's stratification in all
1: things. And I think I think that's that's one of the interesting things is for athletes. And you look at, you know, all the, all the cautionary tale people. But, you know, when you've been the best in elementary school, junior high, and high school, college, and then all of a sudden you get to a level where you're not cutting it. Yeah. And then people have a hard time dealing with that. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Totally, it's 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 hard to come to terms. You know, when I got done playing football at Boise Boise State, I think it was just before our final bowl game. I went into my offensive lineman coach's office and I said, "Hey, do you think I should start like getting prepping for pro day and and you know calling some people and figuring out what I'm going to do after the season?" And he just straight up said, "I don't think you're going to play in the NFL." And so it was kind of nice having like knowing that I had something else to look forward to instead of trying to play for, you know. Some guys get stuck doing combines and playing in the... Did you need someone else to tell you? Was that the... Did you need to have someone else close the door on that chapter? Yes. I I think I would have always had a little glimmer, but I was was doing grad school, and I had um, aspirations of being in federal law enforcement. And so my mind was there, but there was a little you know glimmer that maybe i could make it in the nfl you know maybe they could find a spot for me somewhere i could play center for a team or or be a backup center um but yeah i'm kind of kind of glad he told me that it was nice having a definitive like no you need to lose weight and go find something else <laughs> <laughs> you know is there um y- you know again that's an interesting question is it's
1: like is there an easy way to let someone down or is the best thing to do is just to come straight out Yeah, I don't know. Because
0: you don't want to keep the dream alive if it's not there. Depending on what it is. And I have a real-life example, but I'm not going to talk about it right now. I'll I'll talk about it maybe in like six months. Um, But instead of ripping the Band-Aid off immediately and having an awkward five-minute conversation to let something go on for a year, two years where there's animosity, things like that. It's better to have that five minute awkward conversation because then you're not dwelling on something for a year or two years, you know? You know, I mean, I, I'm going to make a, a quick transition
1: to my other passion, which is music.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, I'm, tell, I'm, a, I'm people, a drummer.
1: Yeah. And uh, I have studied the drums for years and years. And the, the funny thing about being a drummer is uh, it's like, Every guy that can play Wipeout on his desk is like, "Hey, I'm a drummer too." Yeah. But there's an art form, and there are actually, without question, measurable quantities. In other words, you could say to a guy, uh, "Play a samba," you know, you know, play a bossa nova, play jazz swing in three. There's things you can do, and the qualified drummer should understand and be able to play those things. Yeah. So there actually are markers, but. The thing I always found interesting is, if we said who are the top ten hundred meter runners in the world, yeah, well, we can we can just look at their times and yeah. say, here's number three, here's number four, who's now injured, so now he's down to fifteen, yeah. But musicians, there's always that tortured thing of like, oh, if I'd only got my break, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's really like maybe if you were just better, yeah, yeah. So I I think that's fascinating. There's, I think there's a tremendous overlap in the arts, music, sports, business relationships, all those things, but it comes back down to um at some point you got to rip the band-aid off.
0: Yeah, and I I like um thinking about that with with music because obviously there's got to be some god-given talent, but there's got to be some work ethic too. And I feel like it's like that with football, you know. I mean, that's what I saw that's kind of the place i lived for six years in college but there were guys that were incredible athletes and they had all this god-given talent and if they didn't work their asses off i mean it kind of showed and maybe they'd play for a little bit but they never got their big break but the guys that made it were the guys that had talent and worked hard so see now as you know
1: getting up in years um as i'm able to look back on my life i feel like the greatest gift that i ever got was that I wasn't that good at things Because I developed a work ethic It's like I, I'm a worker I'm a grinder Yeah And uh, it's like I I refuse to be outworked And y- you know like Just in the past couple of weeks We've seen the, the Michael Jordan special The Last Dance We've seen the Lance Armstrong thing Yeah And I, I think the greats Well you tell me there should be a little bit of insecurity and paranoia in a great fill in the blank. That could be husband, offensive lineman, yeah, drummer, yeah. cyclist, uh, coming up the ladder, salesperson. yeah. You need to be a little bit scared
0: and a little bit paranoid. Yeah. Do you agree? Totally. So something that I always think about, and I think the reason that I performed well in football and that i performed well like i did some local crossfit competitions and i made it to like a regional competition um if you don't have a little bit of anxiety before you go out and perform you're not going to perform well like you have to be a little bit paranoid and something that coach chris peterson talked about to us all the time i mean if you think of a XY axis and a bell curve and one of the axes is performance, and the other one's anxiety. If you have the right amount of anxiety, you'll peak your performance. But if you have too much, performance goes down. Too little, performance goes down. So, I think you have to be a little paranoid, a little anxious. I mean, that's just me. Oh, well, I so this is something that fascinates me, um,
1: and I I'd, again, I, I'd love to get your input on it because I think it's. Uh, This was like life-changing for me. And it was maybe 30 years ago. I read an article and it was called The Aura of Invincibility. Have you ever heard that expression? No. So they're talking about, um, like, if you look at teams that start winning, they start believing in themselves. And then they start winning close games. Yeah. And, And then they start getting almost impossible to beat. The interesting thing is, and I, maybe I think a great example of this is Mike Tyson. Yeah. Mike Tyson used to scare guys to death. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, uh, you know, Evander Hollingfield said, this guy's beatable. And then all of a sudden, he was he was a shadow of his former self. Yeah. Because is it that the others saw him differently or that he saw himself differently? Yeah. Well, so I read this article and I, I kind of took that and I... Um, it's meant a lot to me and uh you know whoever out there is listening to this i really hope this resonates yeah. i wish there was you know what i mean i wish you got i wish we got comments so i could have oh yeah, like, yeah that guy's yeah. an idiot yeah. Or, yeah. but so the way that i took that and applied it to my own life is um let's say for instance you and i are uh going to ride bikes up to bogus basin okay and uh the the uh the first prize. There's only two of us, but someone put up a uh, hundred thousand dollar first prize. So that yeah. that's its own motivation and stuff. Yeah. But what's going to happen is, at some point on our way up there, it's going to be time to dig deep. Yeah. Now, let's say that you had prepared well. You'd scientifically trained. You'd logged. You'd journaled. You had taken care of all of the details. Yeah. Me, on the other hand, I'd eaten some caramel corn, drank a few beers. <laughs> hung out with your dad. Yeah. And I trained pretty hard. Yeah. But there comes a critical moment where you have to believe in yourself when it's time to suffer. And my theory is and and I I this I've owned this in my life is if you've taken care of business that doubt doesn't have the crack to come in. But if you haven't. Yeah. If you haven't when it's time to suffer, all of a sudden you're going oh no. Yeah, I didn't do everything I could and so um, you know not to be all over the place but you know in 2006 I had cancer. I had lymphoma. I did basically a year of chemo and radiation and there's a certain paranoia that comes with that after you're done and so and it kind of brought me into my interest in longevity is I try to take care of the small details to keep the doubt out to keep the fear out to keep the anxiety out so you know as an example how does this apply to a guy who's in sales to a guy who's a young realtor to a guy it it, it actually i feel like it works in everything
0: i think it works in everything um the one thing that i'm as you said that i was thinking about what i've done recently so I applied for a job recently and I was so meticulous about prepping canned answers for the interview. And so I you know, had five normal interview questions. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do in your current job? what, Why do you think you'd fit this job? And then I had about five bullet points for each of them. And I go through and I memorize those. And I I make sure that I like, I know them like the back of my hand before I go in for that interview because Any question that they could ask, I could somehow kind of tie it back to one of those answers. And so over-preparing and knowing what you're going to say, even if you don't know exactly what the questions are, I mean, I think that that is applicable to it. Because if if you go out on the football field and you're preparing all week, you know – you're just running normal plays, and you're not looking at the other team's film and preparing for what defense they're going to run. You just go out and you're like, "We'll play against whatever they're going to run." You're not going to perform well. I mean, it's like it's like knowing the answers to a test, you
2: know.
1: Well, I, I like the I like the rabbit hole we're going down because, um, so I know we're both fans of Jocko Willink as mm-hmm. an example, and you know, one of the things that he espouses is the importance of decentralized command. In other words, everybody has to understand the the mission. Yeah. And kind of what you were just talking about there is it's the difference of learning by rote, which is preparing by repetition or conceptually understanding it because y- you can guess all the questions that they might ask, but yeah. you're not going to guess the exact ones. Yeah. But if you have a good conceptual understanding, of the job how you're trying to present yourself. Yep. And you have done the preparation. You've eliminated the doubt. You have that aura of invincibility. But yeah, I'm a huge believer in in conceptually understanding things. It's you know, when when someone comes into your gym, they you know, CrossFit is definitely got a following and people understand, but I feel like what what you do is you don't just say, learn these 18 exercises. You try to build a vocabulary for them and give them a conceptual understanding. So once a person understands conceptually what they're trying to do with a muscle group, n- now you're on the right course. But uh, if people never understand, they're like, oh, I, I did that pushy thing.
0: And yeah. they they mimic yeah.
1: doing curls and said, should I be doing these? It's like...
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's CrossFit's cool because there are certain movements that are applicable, like there's foundational movements, and that one foundational movement is gonna be applicable to five different things. So if you can do that one thing right, you kinda know you can do those other things right. Um, One of the most complicated things that we do is snatching, which is an Olympic movement, Olympic barbell movement. You know, you teach someone how to do a snatch deadlift, then you teach them how to do a snatch uh, pull, and then a snatch high pull, teach them how to overhead squat, and then you teach them how to do a snatch balance. And it's like, you teach them one little part of it at a time, and then eventually they can put it all together and do the big thing. But you gotta understand those little concepts before you can do it. And one of the most foundational movements is doing a deadlift. And that's applicable to everything. You know, tight core, shoulders back and down, drive through your heels. I mean, it's all just kind of basic stuff, but it's applicable to 10 other movements. Right, and and then,
1: and you know, cause we've had this discussion before, and yet, what does everyone associate with CrossFit and what do they do? They probably walk in to composure and go, I want to learn to do kipping pull-ups. Yeah, And it's yeah. like... It's it, a lot more than kipping pull-ups. Well, and the biggest part is is that if you believe in conceptual learning, you would say, tell me why you think you need to learn to do kipping pull-ups. Because if they could give me a good argument, yeah, you know, yeah. but it's... and And, you know, going back to your football career and now your professional career is um there's not a lot of glamour in preparation yeah I mean there is when we see the the music montage in a rocky movie that that kind of glamorized preparation but the truth is it's it's the work you're doing when no one's looking yeah you know I, I'm kind of like the human meme I have things that I love but <laughs> have you heard the one that says H- how you do one thing is how you do anything yeah yep and I'm like, that's there's brilliance there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I,
0: I think you can you can I mean, if someone's lawn is green and taken care of, dude, I, I wasn't think, gonna
1: go right there.
0: I, I think they probably have their shit taken care of. I and to me, I, I don't like half assing things. And when something is being half assed, that's one of those moments where you have to acknowledge it and pull the band aid off and say, I gotta stop I either gotta stop doing that or I gotta be in a hundred percent. So, and you know, I mean,
1: and it's interesting because I, you know, I, I, I hope that I really do hope that, that some of what we say resonates with someone because you know, when, when you're parenting kids, when you're building a team, when you're running a business, when you're trying to get better in an organization, yeah, it's like sometimes these aren't popular things to say. Yeah. Yeah. you know what I mean like you know when you're coaching someone uh, a deadlift is a difficult exercise it's a painful exercise and there's kind of no real glamour in it yeah and so how do you sell that to, is there ever a difficulty selling that as a foundational exercise
0: no I, I think people what people like about coming into our gym I mean obviously we have our coaching dialed people like you know, how much attention they get paid to them because it's kind of like getting personal training when you come in there for an hour, especially if you're new. Because if the coach knows that there's some athletes that have been going for three years, he's going to pay a little bit less attention to them, a little bit more attention to the new person. Um, But if somebody's never done a deadlift before, teaching them how to do that and, you know, watching them do a couple reps, then correcting one small thing, they do a couple more, and then you keep building on that you keep adding one small thing for them to work on and then at the end of it you tell them holy smokes you look pretty darn good doing those deadlifts I mean I think it's rewarding to them because it's something they've never done before and I think you got to go through an hour to sell it I think it's hard to sell before somebody comes in well I mean it's it's
1: fascinating because through you know through my life um, I was in high school in the 70s so in the 70s, we had, and I'm making air quotes, we had jogging.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: it still cracks me up when I hear someone say, well, I jog. I'm like, "What? Is that
0: word still exist? Jogging. To you guys, it was like conditioning for sports or?
1: Well, I mean, I literally came from the place where they thought they didn't want you. They thought, they thought you would become muscle bound. Um, yeah. But I'm saying, so it started off, there was like, there was like a tennis revolution in the early seventies and then racquetball hit and then running hit. And then really yeah. 1977, the Arnold movie pumping iron came out and that kind of first made people aware of strength and resistance training. Yeah. And it's interesting now, and we've had this discussion before with the popularity of CrossFit, CrossFit was a return to the foundational exercises that really started it all. Yeah. You know, I, you know, and, and so it's the old what what is old is new again. But again, it's like pe- people had a hard time accepting that. That's like it's going to be difficult and you're going to need to learn to manage these weights. Yeah. So they're like, well, let's make a Nautilus machine. And then yeah. like, let's, you know, and then we went through all the universal machine. It's, like,
0: it's almost like they started to baby people. And it's like, all right, we got to take the training wheels off again. We got to start using free weights again
1: well like we are you were talking the other day um from my background as a wrestler again a shitty wrestler <laughs> but it's like i've been jumping rope my whole life yeah and jumping rope is vicious yeah and it's brutal yeah you know and uh and it's an acquired skill you have to learn to jump rope yeah you know and so it's funny because uh box steps jumping rope um you know air squats uh, all these things they tremendous dividends but but it's like there's no glamour in them
0: yeah and the, the cool thing about all those movements is you can do them at an elite level you can do double unders with the jump rope you can do triple unders with the jump rope you can do super high box jumps and burpee box jump overs all these complicated movements but those same movements can be scaled down to help somebody in their 60s or 70s to help with their balance I mean if somebody in their 60s can jump rope they they're pretty athletic, I think. All right then. I'll take that as a You well, didn't I'm, even know it was coming. You're, you're, but thanks, I mean, you're obviously in shape. I don't know if my dad could jump rope. Um I think I bet he could. Yeah, yeah. But it's I mean, I think maybe that's a good test. I and they I know that some doctors have a test of uh I think if you can sit down to the ground without using your hands and then stand back up without your hands, you're in like pretty good shape have you ever heard this before no um and then if you have to use one hand they kind of take a point away if you have to rock into it they take another point away so it's like a point system of you know how healthy you are just based on how easily you can get up and down off the ground
1: well one of the things that i love about crossfit is and and we come from different we kind of come from different perspectives but i think we end up at the same place is without question intensity Um, intensity and variety are there's It's inarguable science that it has to be intense, but you have to be willing to adapt. In other words, we're not going to take a 65 year old woman and put her on, have her be doing bar dips on the rings. Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that there is isn't adaptability that that isn't still the direction we should be going. And so that's, that's where I think the importance of a great CrossFit gym is, with great educated instructors is huge. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's also important that um, what I've seen is there's a, an absolute great community and team aspect that exists in CrossFit yeah. that doesn't exist in other things. And so, yeah, I think that's another thing.
0: And that I think once people get a taste of CrossFit and then they try to go back to the you know 24-hour fitness or whatever it is, if you're in CrossFit and you're the last person in the class trying to finish your reps on a workout, everyone's cheering for you. I mean, it's like you kind of get addicted to the community aspect. And that's what I... I mean, when I got done with football, I had a hard time transitioning to not playing football because of that community stuff. And then I found CrossFit and that kind of filled the void. So its it was a cool a cool thing to help me mentally as well. So. You know, I heard a great quote
1: from... David Lee Roth from Van Halen. Yeah. Who's actually a super accomplished athlete. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I love Van Halen, but David Lee Roth gets old in a hurry. Yeah. I I listened to a two and a half hour podcast with him. I don't know if you did. Uh, Was he on Rogan? He was on Rogan and halfway through, I was like, I can't take it, but I made myself (laughs) power through. But he said something, and I think this applies again, business, team, uh, everything. Mm -hmm. He said, you should always be nice to the shittiest guy in the band. Yeah. He said, because someone else thinks you're the shittiest guy in the band. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and, I mean, okay. I I never thought I'd be quoting David Lee Roth, but think about that. That works again in a lot of aspects of life, any team and in CrossFit. the, The great thing is, is that when you support the struggling guy, yeah. Um, that guy starts climbing up the ladder and then he is inculcated to that, that, um, that spirit of now he's helping the next guy up. Yeah. And and like you said, that's what 24 hour fitness will never have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I, I'm, but I'm fascinated by these sort of things, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, you know, after watching that Michael Jordan thing and, uh, the Lance Armstrong thing, uh, you know, I, I've come to realize that in, in bands that I've put together, yeah. it's like, uh, there's, there's a lot of times when there's a lot of guys that didn't like my role, but I was like, this is a role that needs to be filled. Yeah.
0: And I think the By same, By saying what needs to be said. Yeah. It, it, it has to be. And, and,
1: and it's an interesting thing. And, uh, again, it's like. That's where, although I love music and I love sports and team sports, yeah. I love the fire department, which was just a team sport. Yeah, is uh, sometimes you're more uh, when people have that developed
0: artistic side,
1: they don't they, they're not as coachable.
0: Yeah, I, I, I definitely see that and I think I see it with people who never even played a team sport in high school or middle school or anything. It's kind of like it's hard to indoct- indoctrinate someone into your team, like at work, if they've never played a team sport before, because they don't understand the team dynamic and, you know, trusting other people to do stuff for you. And it, it's interesting. Micromanagers.
1: Oh, oh, so, so what do you see in your professional life that, that in your professional life, where does your background as a CrossFit coach and an uh, team sport guy kick in
0: I don't I don't know if I want to get into specifics too much with my professional career but I think it I really do think it's the team aspect of you know I do some sales and when I'm doing those sales it's like people that you're working with that should be on the same team as you they sometimes want to take things for themselves and it's like, okay, if we're all on a team together, especially if we're not making commission personally, it's just for the brand, for the team, um, you don't make your coworkers look bad. Like you you prep for the meetings behind closed doors, like you do all the non-glamorous stuff, you get your talking points together, and um, you know you see if people are gonna poke holes in the things that you're gonna tell them, and you figure out how to answer certain questions. Um, you don't try to make each other look bad or make yourself look better than someone else. Like if somebody started attacking my teammate, I would hop in and try to save them. And it's, I've seen it too, um, with public speaking. And if somebody is struggling public speaking, I always try to jump in and help them because, you know, I think it's a lot easier to public, to speak in public. If you see somebody else struggling, because it's like, Oh, that guy's not doing that great. I, I know I can do way better than that. But you want to help him out too. You don't want to just leave him hanging dry out there. So, well, it,
1: you know, and that used to be in the fire service one of our one of our go to insults is we would say to a guy, "You didn't play many team sports." Today. Oh yeah yeah. And, you know that. Yeah. And, you know and and you realize that's a bad thing. But so another thing I read one time, which I found fascinating, is you know they commissioned a big study and in the study uh like the three the basically it came down to this is that in performance and it could be in team a relationship but again same thing anything inside a band yeah it doesn't matter what your boss thinks about you yeah it doesn't really matter it's it's negligible what you think of yourself as a team player as part of that team.
2: Yeah. But what it
1: all boils down to is what you think your boss thinks of you. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I mean, I mean, I've struggled with this as a parent. Uh, in other words, it's like uh, when you're disappointing in someone on one level, you, you want your kids, your coworkers, your friends, your teammates to feel your disappointment. Yeah. But you don't want them to sense that you think they're not very good. Yeah, yeah. And so it's a it's a really I don't know. I think it's fascinating. You need
0: to you try to screw your mind around that to where you know, you got to do it tactfully and you can't make them I mean you make them think about what they did wrong, but not shitty enough to where they're never going to try it again. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, absolutely. Yeah. I mean that, that's exactly it, but I mean
1: okay in your life any situation any uh-huh. other things you don't have to name a name out or maybe you can't name it name, but who's like
0: a great leader that you've been around so there's there's two guys and i was on the leadership council for the football team um junior and senior year and basically it's you know, the guys that are starters and, um, leader like team leaders. And I think, I don't know if the teammates voted on them or the coaches kind of pick, pick these guys out. But I remember who I wrote down, um, as who I thought was a great team leader because, you know, we met a hundred times over the season and we had these leadership council meetings. And one of the first ones was kind of establishing, why did you look up to certain people? And I think, uh, There's two guys, Nate Potter, who was an offensive lineman. He was actually an All-American, played for Arizona Cardinals for a little bit. Um, And then the other guy was Richie Brockle. And he was this hard-headed fullback, and he played with the Panthers. He won a Super Bowl ring with them. um, And one of the smartest dudes I've ever met. But both of those guys, I saw how hard they worked, and they only talked when they needed to talk. Like that, to me, that's the best leader. They'll get in next to you. They'll work their ass off next to you. They'll show you how to do stuff. And they'll let you run your mouth or whatever, you know, freshmen do whatever the heck they do. But then if you step over the line, that's when they put you in your place. Those were the two guys that I looked up to.
1: It's interesting. One of the quotes that I love, and it's actually, I have a screensaver of this on one of my computers. Uh-huh. But it says, a leader demonstrates what's possible. And the quote doesn't say a leader talks about what's yeah it, it's it's demonstration, yeah, but i I felt that there's an x factor like I have a joke I always make like yeah I always go like you know you can never say, you know who's a good kisser me yeah someone else has to say you're a good kisser right? yeah think think how ludicrous that yeah, is yeah yeah, yeah and the same thing is true when. When people are demanding respect or saying, I'm a team leader, or I'm this, or I'm that, it's 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 almost like you could say someone that says that isn't.
0: Yeah. I, I think they naturally happen, too. If you have 100 guys that are going through hard-ass workouts in the offseason together, the dudes kind of naturally find their way to the top and... You know, if a guy's always working his ass off and they see people that aren't pulling their weight, they're going to say, dude, we're going to have to do another fucking 100-yard sprint if you don't go your hardest on this one. I mean, it's people start to get weeded out, and then the guys, the guys that should be leaders, I think, naturally find their way to the top. That's what I think.
1: Okay, so using your example, though. So does the leader say something, or does he just keep consistently running the best
0: hundred yards. I think between reps, he has to say something and he's not the guy that says, um, Hey man, what the fuck? Why are you not? Why are you not doing this or blah, blah, blah. And like being mean to the guy, he's the guy that's no bullshit and tells him how it is. He says, dude, if you don't do this, we're going to have to run another one. Go harder on this one.
1: Well, I feel like it's time to go back to full metal jacket
0: then. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> I mean, how familiar are you with Full Metal Jacket? I can quote the quotable stuff. From but I'm saying beginning. Pyle. Yeah, Private Pyle. Was a fuck up. Yeah. And and
1: yet, it's like uh, Joker was trying to bring him up by being his buddy. Yeah. And, of course, this is an argument of maybe where the group dynamic failed horribly.
0: I mean, maybe the buddy-buddy thing. You got to toe that line and you can't be too much buddy-buddy with them. I mean I don't
1: I don't know this fascinates me but my what I was getting what I was fascinated by and I was just thinking about uh I worked with a guy one time and I, I've known a couple guys in my life that they had the X factor. Yeah. And it's like is that a nature versus nurture thing? Like I don't know, but I do always think that it comes down to the ability to perform when it counts. Yeah, and you know I've said this before, and uh, your dad might be one of the only guys that listens to this. I don't know, but <laughs> but you know what I am uh, I am very seldom friends with people I like. I choose to be friends with people I respect. Yeah, and one of the things that was I really liked about your dad is it's like your dad was actually super good at what he did yeah and i sometimes i sometimes almost feel like a frustration like i i don't know if it's possible for your family to appreciate the sacrifice uh that your dad did but more importantly that I don't know if you could ever properly be proud of your dad because it's a thing you wouldn't know. Yeah. And, and and maybe that's true going back to your sisters and yourself. It's like you know, uh you know, I can't imagine being an ultra marathon runner, and so I can have an uh an appreciation for your sister that is. Yeah. But the weird thing is I really can't. Yeah. You know like can anyone even you know your your family your immediate family your wife everyone all your friends the only people that can really appreciate what you brought to the table and what you did are the guys that were literally in the trenches with you yeah yeah so it's I mean it's fascinating but there there is there just is something in people and uh you have it or you don't yeah yeah and and, and the weird thing is that you only find out how
0: deep you go. Yeah. <laughs> right when you go out there and you know that's I think I, that's why people like testing themselves, you know. And it's I like um I hate I hate when people whatever it is if they're going to a whatever competition if they see a guy that they know that's better than than them or slightly on par with them or they always kind of you know they're Reaching out to people and saying, "Hey, how did he how did he do on that one thing?" When that guy shows up, and you like are bummed that that guy showed up, you don't have the X factor. Ex- yeah, you've guy. already lost. Yeah, you've already lost. If you're disappointed, if you see that guy and you're like, "Oh, fuck yeah, I can't wait!" You know, it's gonna make it's gonna bring more out of me to see that other person. Um, and I think so. One of the examples I think of with that. Is how Boise State played football. Like we never really got blown out by people. Um, most of the games we lost were close games, but they were close games um, no matter who we played. So if we played the number three team in the nation, it was a close game. We kind of played up to that level, and we showed up because we knew we had to show up. So,
1: well, and you know, getting back to, getting back to CrossFit is. Um, there's actually an element of some of those lifts that are dangerous if done improperly. Yep. And I th- I think one of the great things and I, I again it builds that team building is um you know, it's not jazzercise. You you got to go in there and you got to work. Yep. And uh like I said, I think I think people need to find out how deep they go. Yeah. And, uh, and I think, you know, I know we're not going to get, <laughs> we want to keep this light, but I think society tries to protect people yeah. from failing or not measuring up. And like I said, uh, the, the greatest gift that, and I feel like God has given it to me time and time again in my life is I've, I've been beat down and I just have to sit there and go, <laughs> dang it. Not again. Yeah. You know, and, and it's funny because. I had this really weird thing after I had cancer Uh, and believe me, after it was actually 10 months of chemo and radiation, like I was pretty beat down. Yeah. And um, you know, I had to kind of give the tough look and go, I'm not done. And uh, but I had this really weird thing happen where I kind of started believing like I shouldn't have to go through anything tough again. Yeah. And, and the, The shocking education I got was, man. There's as soon as you're done with this shit sandwich, there's another one. You know, yeah, yeah. And the point is, is it's like, what do you do? Yeah. And you know, I mean, yeah. I look at I look at you as a young guy, and um, you know, I look at your decisions. I I look at like the direction you're going, and and I feel really, I feel real, I feel pride. Uh, I feel pleased. Uh, there's a reason. I feel like we have a friendship separate from our family friendship. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's like I said, I, I have to respect, I need to like people that I need to respect them. But the, the, the tough part is, is that, uh, is that you and I are not done being tested. Yeah. And, and you know, I hope, I hope my next, I hope my next test is crispy or soft shell taco, but you know, (laughs) and the answer is going to be crispy. But, but I'm saying like, you know, I think what's important, like, you know, in a young married couple is, you know, hard times are going to come and you can't sit there and think maybe we're flawed. Maybe this is a flawed platform. No, it's not. Yeah. This is, I mean, the, the phrase the process has become overworked and overused. But the truth is, it's like you should you picking yourself up by the bootstraps is a learned behavior. Yeah. And so when we rescue people from ever having to live with the the consequences of their choices, we're we're preventing them from learning that.
0: Yeah. I I don't know. I so I have I have two things Um, that you made me think about while you were talking. And one of them was the realization when I was going into fall camp before my senior year at Boise State. And the realization was, hey, this might be the last time I ever get to play football. And every single day – so if you don't know, fall camp is a a seven-day-a-week hard fucking thing. I I don't know what we have, 14 double days and then a bunch of other practices on top of that – and you install um you know kind of your base plays and you there's a lot of conditioning and a lot of one-on-one drills and you build that fundamental base that you're going to use for the whole season and it's a fucking grind cuz it's hot as shit it's in august um you you wake up and you're sore and you know you do one practice and then you come back for the next practice and your fucking pads are still wet it's like nobody likes fall camp but i think i I think I tricked myself into liking it by realizing that it was the last time I was ever going to do it. So every day when we met for our first meeting on the top of my notes, I wrote, enjoy the process, enjoy this. And, uh, and quite honestly, it was like the most fun I ever had because you, the, you can get over wet pads. You can get over, you know, my fingers hurt from blocking dudes every day, um, because you're out there with your friends. And that was like the last time I was going to have with that group of friends, Um, so I, I truly, truly believe in enjoying the process. Like the result doesn't really matter as long as you enjoyed the process. And if you enjoyed it and you did it right, the result's going to work itself out. Um, the other thing that you made me think of is how soft we are as people now. Like nobody is ever tested and, and I'm going to get, I'm not even going to get controversial, but there's a guy, um, he's a rapper, uh, killer Mike from Run the Jewels. I don't know if you've seen him. But with everything that was going on recently in the in the United States, he was speaking in front of a crowd and he said, how many of you know how to hunt? And like nobody raised their hand. And he goes, how many know how to fish? Nobody raised their hand. How many know how to garden? How many grow their own food? How anybody knows a martial art? And like nobody raised their hands. And he goes, you got to be... You got to stop being reliant on other people if you want, if you're going to survive, you know, and I mean, we're coddled. I I like to think that I'd be a hard ass if somebody dropped me off in the middle of nowhere. But the truth is, I probably wouldn't be because we're all fucking coddled and we're inside all the time. And, you know, we can go to the grocery store and buy shit. And um, especially if you're left alone with your thoughts, too, if you don't have a book or a phone, what are you going to think about how are you going to keep yourself busy?
1: You know, I always liked. Uh, you ever watch the show Naked and Afraid? Yeah, yeah. You know, what always blew my mind is, um, I would always see a guy be like the guy would be, uh, he would have just incredible background and just look like a stud, and then three days later he'd be sunburnt, and the woman would be like bringing him his food and stuff. I'd be yeah, like, y- you don't you don't know, yeah, you know, but yeah. it's uh, it's it's fascinating because. I think it's important that we find out. And I think maybe that's the role sports and athletics play in a civilized society. In other words, you and I aren't going to know what we're going to do when, you know, Huns are coming over the
0: walls. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But maybe that's maybe that's the role of sports.
0: Uh, I think it fills that void because, you know, we don't have a place to take our uh, anger out or, yeah, test ourselves, especially like... If you're growing up in a city and you don't have chickens to go take care of every morning or cows to milk or whatever, you know, they you go play sports instead.
1: You know, I heard a, I heard a guy that was in the military say, you know, he said my like hours into basic training, he said he realized the farm boys were the guys that were going to do okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I think another lost art form is... I guess we can all see from point A to point B and A to Z is a tired analogy. So I'm going to skip it. But what, what, what people are missing is that there's an A to M an A to N an A to O and A to P. And um, again, your dad and I were talking today and he said, you know, here's a house where we lived down the street here when we had a rental yeah. while uh, we were building this house. And, the tendency in America, which I I think, and again it falls back onto the process, is uh, we too much go. we look at the guy on the hill and we go, I want to be the guy on the hill. yeah, and it's like, well, what got the guy there? did that did that guy first live in in a, a small house out in the valley and then slightly bigger house on the valley floor? And in other words, There is, it's, it's the part of the process and I'm making air quotes that people don't want, they don't want to embrace, but it's true. Yeah. And so, uh, there's not a finite amount of credit or success in the world. In other words, if you're super great, it doesn't mean there's less great for me. Yeah. Yeah. But we sometimes get, instead of like building up and celebrating people who have done well, we We want to shoot him down. Well, you know, that guy came from this family or they came from that family. But the truth is there were a number of steps. And I think, again, part of team building, you, you know, I know I sound like just a broken record, but you can bring it back to being part of a CrossFit gym, being part of a sales team, being a fireman, anything, is if you're celebrating others around you and making them better... You're probably doing a lot better. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, it, it kills me, you know, when I watch the news and I feel like people are like, what about me? Ne- what about me? I don't have this. I don't have that. Yeah. It's like, then go get it. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I think that's that's what I, I don't know. You know, I I think there's a lot of good things to be said about going without. Yeah. And because we need to create drive, a uh, hunger. Yeah. Do you think you and your sisters grew up hungry? Hungry for? Like hungry for like, I I want to achieve this. I want that. In other words, did your parents teach you that like not having the wanting
0: is a great thing to have versus I, having? I don't think they ever came out and said it. Um. I think, I mean, I asked for everything growing up and I don't. I mean, I don't think we were... How much did you get? N- not nothing. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I remember when DVD players... Hold a second.
1: Hey, Bill, are you listening to this? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I don't. I think my parents are very smart with their money. And I think that's half the reason that, you know, we didn't go eat out all the time. And um, I think my parents were planning for their retirement. And, you know, we didn't get ridiculous presents. We didn't have a huge TV. We didn't have PlayStation, stuff like that. I mean... I don't know. I, I haven't done a ton of reflecting on my childhood, but I know I know we didn't have the top of the line stuff growing up. And I remember when DVD players came out, I begged my mom to get a DVD player, and she didn't buy one. Like the first DVD player my parents bought was once we moved up here, uh, I don't know. 5 years after we moved here and Scott Hall was up here and he had a DVD with him and my parents were like oh shit we don't have a DVD player we have to run to target to buy one <laughs> i mean it was like they're happy they're happy with what they have they don't need to buy shit to be happy and i think um i think i've learned that a lot too um, post college once i started my profession and you know navigating my friend group it's sometimes people get caught up in the keeping up with the Joneses thing and I think the people who are doing well are kind of content with what they have, you know? And, and I mean, they'll buy stuff if they need stuff but it's not, some people are buying it to show other people that they have it, you know? You
1: know, again, um, I'm going to be the human meme but <laughs> you've probably heard this expression but it's it goes, unasked for advice, is always perceived as criticism. Yeah. And uh, I say that because I'm about to give you unasked for advice, but, you know, you're... I don't know that I would say you're at a critical point in your life, but it's funny. um, On your refrigerator, you have more save the dates than dates. (laughs) 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 I was like, wow, you know, you must be in that era where everybody's getting married, you know? yeah, But... But you know, with all the stuff that goes on and we meet people and we're charmed by people and we like people, but I still come back to uh there's you know you know, there's plenty of there's plenty of great there's plenty of people likable people out there. Yeah. But that that's your uh that's your hostess Twinkie. You yeah. know what I mean? But that that's junk food. It's like I think your people you associate with should be people you respect yeah and and it's a weird thing because we we all have that great friend that's just a happy disaster yeah you know yeah but the weird part is you you get to where you care about yourself and the people around you enough where you go i i can't have this kind of person in my life yeah you know and and that's that's a learned skill but it's it's funny again um Because maybe two years ago and I had some big stuff going on and uh, your dad gave me some really good advice. Yeah. And um, instead of making your dad feel good about that, I'm going to compliment myself (laughs) in that I could hear what I didn't want to hear. Yeah. You know, and so again, it's like what creates a champion? What creates a successful person what kind of man woman friend do we want to be and it's like you know at, at my age i think one of the one of the super important things is you can't close yourself off yeah to new ideas yeah and and again i see i see again america becoming i'm this guy i'm that guy and it's like you know what you can come to me with the craziest point of view and it's okay if I don't agree with it. Yeah. It's it's okay to think it's stupid, but I feel like an essential part of me staying in the ball game is being open to hearing stuff I don't want to hear. Yeah. You know, and and uh, you know, I tend to be a more conservative guy, but I have to be open to liberal viewpoints. Yeah. I don't have to agree with them, but I have to be able to hear them. Yeah.
0: You know, and um Well, it's it, I think the best way to reflect on that and implement stuff into your own life and seeing other people's points of view, is when you bump into that liberal guy that doesn't want to hear what you have to say. You can reflect on yourself and say, "Hey, do I want to be that type of person?" Because talking to him wasn't fun. Like I want people to be able to talk to me and hear my point of view.
1: Of course, you know we're gonna go Zen, ask here and go. It's is it more important to be to be heard or to hear or you
0: know to understand i think i think both you know i think it is both and i think probably listen to people more and form form your own opinion but um if nobody's listening to you if you have a something that you think is a good idea you should tell people well i'm gonna do a ham-handed transition here
2: okay
1: um because you know and i've i've sent you a bunch of things but I'm fascinated by two people. Uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick yeah. found my fitness and a guy named Dr. Peter Atiyah. Yeah, And um, it was interesting because I became interested in his... Uh, really, they're both hardcore advocates of fasting and intermediate fasting, yeah. intermittent fasting. Yeah, uh, And I was fascinated by their workouts and all this kind of stuff. But then they started saying things that... I didn't like, and I wanted to go like, well, I don't, I don't agree with that. Cause I don't like it. Yeah. And then, uh, I had a friend and she was like, you need to be able to hear the stuff that you don't like hearing. So this is like a really pedestrian example, but you know, like longevity, uh, it's kind of like a numbers game, right? In other words, like, if you're like, I'm really into two things, longevity and Russian roulette, I'd be like, well, <laughs> you know, those guys don't live together. Yeah. But, and I, I didn't do any research before I came here, but I just thought of this now. But one of the things I used to do all the time, and I still do, but not as much as I used to, is, and this is a guy that Dr. Peter O'Tia, MD, and that's his website, PeterAtiyahMD.com. But he's like, when people come to him and they're going to give him thousands of thousands of dollars a month to do all these things test and track their blood their blood work their exercise and he says if you're texting and driving just don't even be here yeah yeah and and isn't it funny that like really and truly texting and driving probably numerically has a greater effect on our chances of longevity than diet and exercise yeah you know I, i mean that just kind of blew my mind and so um you know he he's also got way into like the amount of screen time, your sleep habits. Yeah. But I'm saying like sometimes,
0: you know, what's, it, if you think he's talking about you, he's probably talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that's like, if you don't want to hear it and you want to shut yourself off from it, that's probably the time that you should listen the most. Yeah. Well,
1: and, and, and so, you know, that's, I think, I think that the evolved man or woman is able to is able to listen better than they are to to talk. I agree. And, and and so that goes back to do we want to be understood or do we want to understand? It's like would we be better served if we I I'm going to say for me if I if I worked more on listening and understanding than speaking and being understood, I think I'd be further along as a person.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think uh I think I I've been growing up a lot more like in the past year. Um and I think I've done a lot more growth in the past year than I have, you know, in the rest of my life. Um
1: What do you attribute that to?
0: I Is it being a business owner, being newly married? I think it's being newly married. Um that's definitely part of it, and I think Debbie's taught me a lot of stuff that I wouldn't have found out without her, but like one of the biggest things is if you enjoy something, but you're worried about what other people think about you doing it, why you shouldn't be, I mean, if you, if you truly enjoy something, but you're worried that one guy is going to be like, guy's a fucking loser for, you know, liking whatever you do and you don't do it, I think you're immature. I think if you truly enjoy it and you don't give a shit what that person thinks you're mature. That's what I think. And that's what I've learned a lot in the last six months. Well, you know, when you
1: said, if you think they're talking about you, they are. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) well,
0: do you think I'm talking about you?
1: Okay. Well, like in your first podcast, you talked about playing indoor soccer. Yep. Um, and, uh, in my life, uh, I don't work nearly enough on my flexibility. Yeah. And pre-COVID, <laughs> none,
0: none of us do.
2: <laughs>
1: I st- Well, I do when I'm injured and then I do it just long enough for the injury to go away yeah, and yeah, I yeah. stop. Yeah. Yeah. But I started doing yoga specifically because I didn't want to do yoga. Yeah. And so like when you did indoor soccer, first of all, it was supporting and acknowledging something that Debbie's into. Yeah. Cuz you know she like visits your more your world um but you know again these are like tired cliches but if there's something out there that you don't do
0: because you're like i'd be bad at that that's the thing you should go do it's it's so humbling going out there i mean i talked about on the podcast i had bricks for feet i was an offensive lineman and it's like you're not really supposed to be light on your feet as an offensive lineman and just learning how to If somebody passes the soccer ball to you, just having that touch to stop the ball in front of you and not have the ball go flying off, that's such a fundamental, like, first graders learn it, you know, when they first start playing soccer. Three-year-olds probably learn it when they first start playing soccer, and I couldn't do it, and I was a 28-year-old out there with a bunch of, you know, 24-year-old super athletes, but it, it, it... I don't know. It humbles you and it starts you off in a place where everyone else is better than you. And I think that's a good place for people to be. Like if you always surround yourself by people that are worse than you at something, you're not going to grow. But did you work at it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I played, I think we played three seasons and probably over 20 games. But like, would you be not on a game day? Would you be
1: on a Sunday out there with Debbie passing you the ball and working on stopping the ball?
0: I did some little skills on my own, um, but no, I, it was more show up on Friday night and remember what I did wrong the last week, and then try to improve on that. Yeah, I mean it's, you know, uh, I, I didn't take the soccer too seriously. It was kind of a fun thing on the side while you know we kept living our normal lives. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, I, you know, I, it's 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 fascinating because we don't want to stop being that guy.
0: Yeah. And, um, well, and you can do it. I mean, if it's not athletics, I think people can do it in other realms too. Like you can, you can pick up a hobby trying to learn something new on the computer. Or you can try to learn a new language or, you know, if there's food that you don't like, you might go try it and you might go like it, whatever it is. Yeah. Well, and, and again, it's like, it, it's the, uh, you know,
1: in my in my other life like my drumming life is I I definitely have my sweet spot and I've made a lot of choices
0: to go outside of that yeah Um, well you played so what is your sweet spot what kind of music I'm like a prog rock hard rock guy you know Um, like classic rock some ACDC songs no 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 no?
1: that's that's not not even nearly what's Uh, what's prog rock uh you know like from my era would be uh you know like uh yes Emerson Lake and Palmer, Jethro Tull, like okay. more modern stuff would be like Dream Theater. Like like I'll give you an example. Um so
0: are you familiar with Blink 182? Emma, yes, are very you a fan? very Do you know that Debbie and I are obsessed with Blink? We almost got Blink tattoos.
1: Really? Yes. I did Okay, so here's the thing about Travis Barker is He's got a lot of image, uh, the, and there's a lot of stuff, but he is fundamentally so sound. Yeah. So fundamentally sound. Yeah. And he can play a bunch of different genres of music. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of Blink and Travis Barker. Yeah. But the it, it's kind of like the goal is uh, to be like the Eskimo has 80 different words for snow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the goal is to build your vocabulary yeah, and then only play what's necessary yeah. so there is like you know like a zen quality to it but it, it's just that you know travis barker was willing to stretch yeah and, and so you, you know you know like i played in a country band which really wasn't that challenging yeah but i had to learn like how to be a country drummer i played hold, in a latin band which, hold the mic a little just a little bit closer. which the i played in a latin band which Latin playing latin drums is really challenging for me
0: yeah and uh is it just a different rhythm kind of oh it's a
1: whole different it's a whole different skill set so like
0: there's there's not enough appreciation for it you know yeah. but um you you know what Travis Barker does when I'm listening. So, have you listened to the new album? I have not. Nine. After Tom DeLonge left, it's kind of like they got this new guy, Matt Skiba, and the fans are really divided on whether or not it's still Blink-182. And I, I do dig a lot of the songs. But the thing that I hate about Travis Barker is when I – I like listening to songs and I kind of play the drums with my fingers. And I, you, you saw me play the drums and taught me a couple <laughs> things. And I think I have – I could learn the drums. Like I know the fundamental things about them. And so if it's like do doch do doch, do, do, like you can kind of drum along with it. And I try to drum along with Travis Barker and he's doing this rhythm that I I can't even figure out sometimes. Oh, uh, and and it's but it sounds good overall with the song, but if I focus on the drums, I can't I can't figure it out. And the other thing that I think people Uh,
1: You know, a drummer that I have tons of respect for. And unfortunately, his image has muddled his skill as a drummer. I like Tommy Lee from Motley Crue quite a bit. But he became, in all caps, Tommy Lee. But his drumming skills are, are pretty good. Yeah. But the thing, that the other half of it is, Travis Barker sells every note. Oh, yeah. You know, when you watch him, you go, that dude's playing... This like it's the last note he'll ever do, and, yeah. And um, you know, but I'm just saying, like, it's too easy to not see the hours and hours of work he put into becoming Travis Barker, yeah. And so, uh, you know, I just I didn't know you were obsessed with Blink. What's your favorite Blink song?
0: Oh, Dump Weed, maybe. Really? Yeah. I don't know. There, I can't pick one. Yeah. I, I dude ranch as a whole album and Travis Barker wasn't even the drummer for dude ranch, but I think the lyrics of the songs on dude ranch are the best lyrics they ever wrote. That's what I think. Um, okay. And just because I'm going to stay in
1: this genre, but what's, what are your best workout songs? What songs are, and there's a big, there's a big age of screens, but what's like not a blank song, but what,
0: like what song will pump you up for working out? So there's one, there's a, Style of music, and I know you're much more familiar, even though there's a huge age gap between us, you're much more familiar with the kind of music I listen to than my parents would be. I'd say a band to my parents, and they'd have no idea who they are. But have you heard Four Years Strong? No. And I'll, I'll send you some of their stuff, because you might dig them. But they're they're pop punk, and they have a very heavy sound, but they're upbeat, too. And they also have like a synthesizer, and it's... It's like heavy but it's motivating. So, and like I mean I freaking love AC/DC too. I'll work out to ACDC. See, I'm so not it's... an
1: AC/DC fan. Really? But but the blink song that makes me crazy is I'm feeling this. And I Oh yeah. And I yes. think it's I like what it's saying about before you're doing your your you know your workout or something like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. you know. And and again there's a lot of brilliance going on there. You know, I even though it's a cliche but I think um I think the brilliance of Adam's song yeah the, the drumming in that is so outside the lines and so fabulous uh, that, uh you know that's I think that's a benchmark of uh, what was that song about a 2000s song
0: yeah it was that song actually came out right after 9/11 happened cuz they were shooting the music video and the music video looked too much like like the two towers and so they had to reshoot the whole music video. I watched this documentary on it. Really? Yeah, I think it was right around 2001. Really? Yeah.
1: So, I mean, um are 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 you a fan at all of
0: the band Tool? No. I I'm not that I'm not a fan. I haven't listened to him enough to yeah. know if I'm a fan or not.
1: So, yeah. like, you know, Tool is a guy named Danny Carey that that's way high, that's way high on my list, you know, but um it's just like if we're going to take this whole thing full circle is um like to get bike geeky but like specialized bicycles yeah do you know what their company slogan is no innovate or die oh yeah and and uh man that is so true yeah and it's like it it's happened in music music has changed if you haven't changed with it too bad. Yeah. Then you are a classic rock guy. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I'm, you know, I don't I don't want to be stuck back there and it's like exercise has changed. Yeah. It's like business has changed. Finances have changed. American life has changed and it's like you can sit back and
0: complain about it or you can accept it. Yeah. Go with it. Yeah. I uh I kind of want to keep going down the music rabbit hole because I'm curious what other I mean, are there other punk bands that you're into or ska music? I mean, I know we've discussed ska because of ska brewing, what, but
1: so here's what happened to me, and it's like a weird way I got into it because I'm I'm I got I have my whole own form of being rigid, but I'm like a faithful guy. Like I love the Beatles. I didn't like the Rolling Stones. Yeah, you know yeah, like, yeah. but <clears throat> uh, around the 1990s, uh, uh, and it really started and this is man no one fact checked me because i'm i'm not rock solid on this but the first guy i noticed was adrian young from uh no doubt is he started playing a kind of drums called orange county drum and percussion and they became really popular and it's a really niche uh, high-end custom-made drum company as a whole nother story it's part of americana they got so popular and people couldn't get them that Guitar Center, I think, bought them and now, and now they're just shitty drums. You can they're just, find, just everywhere. You can find Orange County drums everywhere. Yeah. But Orange County, as a business plan, there were certain drummers that they sponsored and they all had that Orange County sound. Travis Barker is a huge Orange County endorser. Adrian Young, Cyrus Baluki from Newfound Glory. Okay. Um john otto from limp biscuit uh yeah. so you started seeing like all and so there was a type of music and i wasn't necessarily following the drums but i i loved like what i called like that like that orange county sound yeah like, um i i
0: loved like some 41. Uh, you, i would love to get you together with my buddy chad because he knows everything about he he knows everything about blink 182. He actually has a blink tattoo like over his heart. Really? Um yeah, but he he knows so much about sum 41 um and where they came from and who they are now. And I know that they have they have two guitarists and they just brought on another guy that was in another punk band that I was a huge fan of, but I love that heavy Kind of metal sound that that some forty one has, and they throw in like metal riffs, and it's so unique. Yeah, and and it was going on, and then all of a
1: sudden it didn't catch on. Like, did you uh, where did you like corn at all? No. See, I I, I
0: I got into Slipknot a little bit, and yeah. there's a few Snit, Slipknot songs that I really like, and then most of their stuff I don't like.
1: Yeah, well, so like Joey Jordison from Slipknot, really a tremendous drummer, but you know, like. While while all that stuff is going on, a um,
0: little bit closer. Oh, yes.
1: sorry, man. No, uh, you're good. So it's just it's fascinating because music evolved, yeah. and and um, and you know, really, I look at Travis Barker as a guy that evolved with it because yeah. he went right from punk to playing hip hop. Yeah, you know, like a, like a, he went in with with Soldier Boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, um you know, I thought I definitely thought that was fascinating, yeah. you know that the way that he evolved that way, but it's just I don't know it's 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 a super cool thing and and again, the tie-in of sports and athletics, you know, like did you guys have music in the locker room at Boise State? yeah, we did, yeah, and was it a democracy? how did you decide what you had there
0: uh <laughs> it wasn't really a democracy. I think we had music in the locker room and that was a whole different story because guys would fight over whose phone was hooked up to the Bluetooth or whatever. (laughs) Um, But the weight room, I think our coach in the weight room took a lot of um, suggestions from everyone because I mean, there's the country boys who want the country music. There's the dudes that want the punk music. And then there's all the guys that want like rap music. And he, Our strength coach, I think, did an awesome job of kind of doing a mix of everything. But I mean, it was always, we never listened to shitty music. It was always good, pump up, fun stuff. They'd crank it and we'd lift hard.
1: So when I had cancer, my daughter made me a mixtape. And it's one of my, I still have it. It's one of my most prized possessions. Yeah. But one of the songs on there was Miss You by Blink182. Oh, yeah. And I, I became so obsessed with that song, I did a little research. And I think it was Tom DeLonge was obsessed with the movie The Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so that song was actually inspired by that movie.
0: Yeah. Were you aware of that? Yeah, I kind of knew. Whenever I hear that song, I can't separate it from the music video. And the music video, you know, I don't know if they have eyeliner on. And it's shot really grainy. And they're wearing like turn-of-the-century clothing and their hair is like matted down i don't know it's just shot very weird but the way it's shot looks like the nightmare before christmas
1: so so what i agree but what's as a drummer what's fascinating to me is a a really basic drum groove called a boogaloo is what he's playing on that yeah it's been in eight million songs um you know songs from the 60s yeah but it's interesting because he's playing the boogaloo part of it on the side of the kick drum. So it's a really weird oh, sound. No. Um but uh, I just you know again it shows the it shows the power of music. It's like you know now with everything so digital like did you ever make a girl a mixtape?
0: I don't think so. See, I don't think to, I ever that did. That used to be a thing, you know, yeah. but
1: but you know it's my 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 daughter made me a mixed DVD. Yeah. And uh you know, I'm just like, oh man, come on, you know. And yeah. and it was all over the place, but it it's still special. And so when I hear that song, um it uh it's super special to me. But so
0: I'm going to tell a uh I'm going to tell like a fire department story. Okay, so that that's what I was going to say is the thing that I like and respect about you is we've been sitting here for over an hour and we've only talked about drums and, and other (laughs) things. And I, I wanted to ask some firefighter questions too. Um, but I think it's cool that you don't, you don't let firefighting define you. I mean, you're into drums and I mean, I think if you could have made the money you made from the fire department doing drums, you probably would have done that instead. Well, you know, the thing about it is like, I'm so grateful to the fire
1: department. I I love my fire department brothers and sisters and it, it made me the man I am. Yeah. But, but still I would rather be known as the uh, guy that rides my bike and goes to the gym. Yeah. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I, I don't need to, I don't, I don't need that, but it was, you know, it was a, it was a huge part of my life, but this is, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how long you want to go. This could be our last story. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I was working at a fire station, fire station 98. And um, you've been in the fire station. We get a dispatch. Yeah. So we get dispatched to a structure fire. And on the way there, they said, um, uh, be advisors, people trapped inside the house. So the way the fire department works is depending on what seat you're sitting in, you have a job. Yeah. And I was what you call inside man. So inside man's job is you're going to do forcible entry. You're going to get make access for the guys on the engine company to go in and squirt water. Yeah. So uh, it was just like dusk when we got there. And I just remember people are screaming. There's someone in there. So a bunch of bars on the window. So I went and I cut the bars off the front door. And then I did a lap around the building. I cut all the bars off the window out all the windows and they had what we used to call in southern california luma cool patio like they'd added an aluminum patio on the back of this uh-huh. house <clears throat> so anyway i get done i go back to the front door and suiting up i'm putting my face piece on i'm going in so i go in it's a typical like 50s or 60s era house yeah go in has a center hallway to three bedrooms on it so I go down and without boring you guys with fire department stuff, but while we're this is going on, truck companies on the roof, cutting a hole in the roof. And so we're, I'm going down and um, go in this first bedroom and there's fire all around and search the room, nothing in there yeah. and uh, come out, go down the next, uh, the next room, search it, nothing in there, go down to the final bedroom, nothing in there. But this time the uh, truck companies cut a hole in the roof. Yeah. Uh, this, heat and the smoke are going out we get a knockdown on it and um so anyway never found anyone in there yeah so I uh just okay
0: so uh, but you you said you could hear someone inside
1: well people outside were yelling and saying there was someone inside uh, but you know people make mistakes all the time yeah so I see one of my lifelong best friends and I said hey, there's no one in here he goes no uh there's there's a there's a kid on the on the back porch i said what he goes yeah uh there's there's a there's a kid dead on the back porch oh shit so i go out on the back porch and it's like a three or four year old kid and he's in one of those race car beds of course everything's all burnt and uh this kid's burnt there and so uh so uh you know we now we have to call the coroner and we're there we're there for a long time the night. Anyway, um, we go back to quarters. And the interesting thing is, and you know this really well. Um, firemen are assholes, and we're never we're you know we never share any real emotion. Yeah. Uh, but what I think every fireman would agree with me is that when things go bad guys get really chippy yeah no one ever acts sad yeah. like I- i've always been offended by that oklahoma city bombing picture where that there's show the fireman holding a baby yeah because i'm like any guy i know would be too fucking busy helping people to sit there and gaze lovingly at a baby yeah i'm like i, I that always felt like a photo op i i was always offended Staged by that. or yeah. yeah so anyway everyone's kind of chippy go back to quarters cleaning our chainsaws, cleaning the tools, getting ready for another incident. And so it's about 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning, and I can't sleep, so I go downstairs to what we call the TV room. Yeah. And I want to say this was 1990. I uh, I go and in the TV room, and I turn on MTV back when it played videos. Yeah. As soon as I turn on the song One, oh, the U2 shit. comes on. Yeah. I'm just sitting there by myself in the TV room, four in the morning, just watching that video. And the power of music is this, is that when I hear that song, I remember everything about that night. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm not saying it like, oh, man, this is like a cool guy story. It's just that um, that's part of what's in my brain. And so I have a love and appreciation for music. I have a love and appreciation for the fire department. I have a love and appreciation for the physical part of our lives. And then there's, there's just a lot of times in my life where all three of those things came together. Yeah. So
0: that's it, man. I do not know how to top that. So uh, (laughs) I, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that about music because I think a lot of people can relate. And I def you, you made me think about some stuff, how certain songs bring up certain things for me too. Um, And I, I really like that about music. It's, it's awesome. It is powerful. So, Hey man, I love
1: what you got going here. I'm so honored to have been here. Yeah. And uh, you know, when this is a big, huge thing, I'll be able to say (laughs) I was on episode three.
0: (laughs) I don't know if I want it to be a big, huge thing. I want to have cool conversations with people. Is this about the people listening or is this about you? I think it's more about me. I so I have I have had so many fascinating conversations with people and I wanted to be able to share those with other people. Um so I'm just having on the people that I like having conversations with.
1: <laughs> you know, just uh, so everyone knows for full disclosure, we were just at dinner and I refused to speak to Spencer because I didn't want to waste anything.
0: He, <laughs> he he put a menu between us so we couldn't we couldn't chat until we got here. Um right. I, uh, I really appreciate you being here and you're a good friend. And uh, if I've been giving people an opportunity to kind of give one last message. Um, so if you want to give something. I'm going to end with my favorite meme. Okay. Uh, which is this. Good is the enemy of great. All right. Awesome. You heard it. Ben Simpson, thanks for being on. Thanks, brother. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah.